Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right, what is going on, people? It is another episode of Unfiltered and Unfiltered Live. You know, that sounds the Unfiltered Band. It means you're a part of the Unfiltered Revolution. If you are listening to this once I post it on the podcast, on Apple, Spotify, everywhere else you get them, then jump on Twitter, join the revolution at Casey Stern, get into the bio, get over to the YouTube channel, like, subscribe, give me ideas, DM them along the way, whatever you got to the table, bring uh, us the unfiltered band. As always, we appreciate them. Lots coming uh, in uh, recent days here. Had some good conversations with uh, the likes of Matt Holiday, who joined me talking about uh, some of his uh, record-breaking and uh, at least chasing, in a couple of cases, friends and uh, former teammates like Albert Pujols and Aaron Judge. Congrats to Wayno and Yadi. I got into that yesterday. I want to get back into that a little bit here. I'm going to hit a bunch of things from around Major League Baseball. Also want to get into a little NBA here on this show, so I will do that. Uh, even uh, drop in some tennis before we get done. Uh, again, uh, top 10 lists. I'm continuing to kind of work on those. You have any ideas on, on ones that you'd like to see? Jump on board and let me know. Let's get this train started here, episode 68. And uh, I, I want to start there with that that record breaker between Adam Wainwright and Yadier Molina. If you're sitting there and you're looking at this hat and you're a fan of that team, Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright are not your favorite people. I remember covering that team on a daily basis, which I was at the time in 2006, and the night of Endy's catch and then being in the champagne celebration at the time working for MLB.com and, and covering that and how difficult that was. It's a very professional moment. It had to be. But there aren't many reasons that you can find if you're a baseball fan, and there shouldn't really be any, to not have these two be in a beloved category, at least in terms of the respect level you have for them both. Yadier Molina, look, you know, I was saying this to Matt when I met Holiday on yesterday. You know, I, I met Johnny Bench, had the pleasure of meeting him a few times, watched plenty of videos. In my mid-40s, it was a little bit before my time. Pudge Rodriguez, amazing player, regardless of what we think he may or may not have done, certainly from the catching standpoint, defensively, what he was, he was. Being a Met guy was always a Piazza guy. Better game caller than people ever give him credit for. Couldn't throw runners out. We understand what he was and what he was not. Joe Maurer, Buster Posey. There are a lot of great catching names. But when you think of a catcher as a field general and everything it's supposed to be, it's what Yadier Molina has been. Everybody talks about the offensive stats. First of all, he's been one of the Better clutch bats in the league for a long time. Had, you know, a ton of clutch ABs that that I remember, including some against the Mets. It wasn't that long ago that he was sitting in, in a situation in a game four against the Braves when it was at Turner during an, an NLDS. And they're on the brink, and here he is with, I think, a game-tying RBI and then the game winner, which was, I believe was in, in the, the top of the ninth with a sack fly. This guy always seems to come up with clutch at-bats, but what people don't realize is it's amazing that he is even having any offensive success. 
because he knows the opposing hitters better than they know themselves. His ability to work pitchers through lineups is second to none in our generation. That includes the Posies and the Mowers and the guys I just mentioned. I like Jordan Montgomery. I didn't understand the trade at the time. But you go ask him, and he said it, Yadier Molina. It's the number one read. Yadier Molina. I was saying this yesterday to Matt. I remember in 2006 being down on the field after Anthony Reyes, who's a rookie, had pitched a game one. They're winning. I asked him, you pinching yourself? Like, how are you doing this? And I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, I only concentrate on one thing when I'm out there. Yadier's mitt, Yadier's mitt, Yadier's mitt. Yadier Molina could stand up and scare a pitcher enough he didn't need a mountain visit. That's a, that's a dude right there. And a no-doubt, no-brainer Hall of Famer. Sorry. You don't think he is. You're a moron. Honestly. You don't understand the game. Facts. Adam Wainwright was the guy everybody thought was done years ago. And Waino was at the point where he already had a, a great career. There's nothing left for him to prove to anybody else, but... He wanted to prove it to himself, got healthy, and got right. And then all of a sudden, this stuff got right again, and he'd been fantastic in putting this, this cap on this great career. He's one of those aces, and I, I've talked about this in the past over the years. There are guys that come to mind in this category, and, and this is a, a really good category to be in. And CC Sabathia is one of the other first ones that come to mind for me. The guys who were not, you know, they were never the ones who were talked about in that, like, you know, here are the four guys, Pedro, Maddox, whoever it might have been, depending upon what time period, right? Randy Johnson. Now, you might give me DeGrom and Scherzer, whoever else, right? Kershaw, certainly during his time, you know, I'm not going to mention every name that's ever lived. But in that next category, but an ace, but an ace, because this was a dude who stopped in losing streaks. This is the dude who is, you know, seventh inning. He's 115 pitches. And he's sitting there, he's waving off the manager saying, don't even dare come out here because I'm finishing this myself. And he's getting you to that bullpen. He's getting you out of the inning. He's fighting his way through. He's finding a way. Congratulations on, on what's been an unbelievable career. It's, it's an unbelievable record they just break. It's crazy. The fact these guys are still playing. I always say this about Yadier Molina. Think about this for a second, and then I'll move elsewhere as we bounce around here, Unfiltered Live, episode 68. Think about this with Adam Wainwright, all right? And Yadier Molina. Yadier Molina took the catching job and put together a Hall of Fame career from a guy who would eventually then be his manager. What, win a division? Were they four times? Get to a World Series. Outlast that manager who got fired. And still, all these years later, still be playing. It's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous. Congratulations to Wayno and to Yadi for what they did. Uh, yesterday. Now, want to get to their team for a second because everybody talks about the Mets and now the Braves. The Cardinals have not played great baseball lately the last couple of weeks either after playing it for a long time. So what is happening? What is wrong? Now, it gets a, a bigger situation because of the collapses and all the different worries and the fears and the CTSD, that consistent traumatic stress disorder that Met fans have. That the, the For the Met fans who think you're the only ones, the Cardinals haven't played great baseball in the last couple of weeks either. The Braves just blew opportunities to do all the things you think you blew opportunities to do. Well, you know, we played all these bad teams. How did we not win? How did we not extend the lead? You don't think the Braves are saying, how did we not take advantage when the Mets just lost five games in a row, whatever it is at home, 
the teams like the Nationals and the Cubs. How, how do we not do that? How we not? We got in first place. We blew that. We got out of first place. Kenley three times in seven tries. The last seven, I think, right? How, how are we blowing these opportunities? The Giants? Okay, great. Like, they're a nice team, but we can't do that either. And the answer is the same for all of them, people. It's a long season. This isn't easy. So I posted the quote today, and by today's two cents, the, the hard that make it makes it great. That's a life lesson for sure. And for me, it's a very, very meaningful quote. Very meaningful. Been about way more than baseball. But, I mean, my goodness. It's not easy. That's why there's no such thing as an easy schedule. There's no easy team on a schedule. That's not real. Not in baseball, it's not. Team wins 100 games, lose 62. 25 of those to bad teams. 10 of them, they lost by five runs. You think anybody cares? They win the World Series, nobody cares. The 2006 season I just mentioned with the Cardinals, that Cardinal team won 83 games in the regular season. They were the only team in that NL Central that was above the 500 mark. They won 83 games. They didn't seem to care when they won around, and I can't remember who they beat when the Mets beat the Dodgers. Then they took out the Mets, who were favored. Then they took out the Tigers, who were favored. With all the uh, PFP practice that uh, was necessary for some of those guys with the tight, what an ugly, the worst World Series I've ever covered. It was terrible. Most of those places aren't even that far. Was, the travel was a nightmare. The whole thing, I don't you know, third world, it was a nightmare. But that team won 83 games. They weren't even that good. It's about winning in October. What Buck said yesterday from a Met fan is right. We're trying to get to the end. It's not easy. So, yeah, you should be concerned that the Mets lost these teams. But David Peterson, who, look, by the way, has done some really good things for them this year. Let's be fair. Trevor Williams, again, how brilliant was this guy yesterday? But godsends. But David Peterson not getting a ball in a postseason, even if in the bullpen, he may not get it there either. He's not getting it to start. He's not going to be there. Max hasn't been in this dugout. You know what he does even when he's not in there in terms of the energy he brings and, and really put into the test of everybody in that team. Like, you understand, like, we're going out there trying to win the whole damn thing, right? He's not there. Marte's not there. Take a deep breath. Yeah, it sucks. Be thankful that the Braves still lost games and you're still in first place. With what, 20 to go, you're right there. You're right there. It's going to come down to those three games at the end of September. Is it the 30th or whenever they play? That's what it's going to be, all right? And you got DeGrom and Scherzer, I think, both, and Bassett, I think, are the three that are lined up as of now to pitch in that series. That's what it's going to be. For a Braves fan, it's the same thing. You know that. It's coming down to that. It's coming down to that. It's going to be within that for sure. Now, Braves may be up one and a half. Mets may be up one and a half, two games. What It's going to come down to that. And both teams have proved they could win all three of those games because the Mets won three out of four. Could have been all four. Came all, almost all the way back in the game they lost. And the Braves won four out of five. It could have come down to that either way. Both these, You're both in the same spot. Braves fans yelling at their team. Oh, my God. You get the guy with the video that I posted. Go back and scroll my Twitter with snit this and this. I mean, people losing their freaking minds. This is why baseball is great. This is what I love about baseball is you get nuts for such a long season. It's crazy. You know, in the NFL, I think about it, and I'm a Giants fan. You know, Brian Dable pulls off that unbelievable thing, which is just, I still can't believe he went for two. That It was amazing. It's a great feeling. The Giants are still probably going 6-11 and 11 this year. That was what I thought before the season started, okay? They still don't know if they have a quarterback. I still don't know if Saquon going to stay healthy, even though he looked brilliant. And I only bring that up because in the NFL, you get to soak that in for a week. 
And then if you lose by 30 this week, then you soak in the reality of that. In baseball, it is such a it, every single day is is a new story, either furthering the dominance, furthering the, the 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 basement feeling you have, bringing you up and down, constantly back and forth, left and right, dogs and cats, you know, living together, mass hysteria. It, it's a different sport. That's the only sport that gives you that. Only baseball brings you that 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 insanity. That's the best part about the sport. I love that. So I always say that people in fantasy, like, you know, everybody's playing fantasy football now. I know people who are huge into fantasy football. They're like, dude, you play fantasy face, uh, baseball? And I this is the first year I haven't in, I don't even know, 20 years. But I, I used to have like seven teams. And they were like, how the hell do you do that? Like, you got to pay attention every day. That's the rest of the world. The psychosis of a baseball fan is, dude, we get to pay attention to it every day. We get to make moves every day. I can make moves on my bench. I could change guys based on lefty, righty. I got to look at matchups. We want that. We own that. We eat that up. That's what baseball is. But because of that, you are sitting there on that roller coaster. That's why I always say this book played in chapters. It's not played in pages. Try and stay calm. You know, it's not great. But you still first place. And by the way, none of this matters when you get to October. I hate to tell you. None of it matters when you get to October. It just doesn't. Sorry. That make you upset? It, it just doesn't matter. And and the luck of the draw is such a weird thing. Like, I'll give you an example, right? The, the Nationals beat the Dodgers in five games. Go back to 2019. They won game five in L.A. with Scherzer, right? And Strasburg and Soto. And there were other guys there, too. But you know what I mean. Dodgers were heavy favorites, right? The Phillies lost in a five-game series in 2010, and people forget how great that team was. A great team is a great rotation. It was a great rotation. Giants knocked them off for five games. I got news for you. I don't know if the Nationals would have beaten the Dodgers in seven in 2019. I don't think they would have. I don't think the Phillies would have beaten the Giants in 2010 in seven games either. Why do I bring that up? Here's the irony for this division that both these fan bases now think their teams are like collapsing or freaking out or whatever. Right now, the Braves for losing this division by half, right? Like, we just can't lose by half. But let's say they lost the, the division, right? Like, you know, I, unless for some reason you think you're afraid. Of, if you're afraid of the Phillies, don't even show up. And it's nothing against Philadelphia, but it's like, that's not, you know, look, you know, I, I got Dodgers and Astros in the crosshairs if, if I'm one of these teams, right? Those two teams, I'm probably going to face them both at some point, right? But I would rather face the Dodgers in five games, wouldn't you? Than seven. Guess what? Not winning the division. It is division that like every Met fan and Braves fan feel like it is. It is the we are going to show our medals so we can give a bunch of crap to the other fan base. And both fan bases, by the way, have dopes that like sort of represent them. That it's like I, 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 I write something in a tweet and then I delete. It. I'm like I can't. It's like you get like hundreds of people who probably yell at me because they don't understand. Like no, this isn't the person to follow down like the the river. You know, right now. But the losing team that doesn't win this division. They're going to get, as of now, they get the Dodgers in a five-game series, assuming they win the first one. By the way, I think you're better off getting the Dodgers in a five-game series than a seven-game series. It might be better to lose this division. As crazy as that is, I'm not saying to do it. I don't want the Mets to lose the division. As a Met fan, I'm always honest about that, right? But that's the, that's the craziness. For all the crying and the whining, guess what? You got a better chance to beat them in five than you do in seven. Facts. For whatever team does, Braves or the Mets, or the Phillies, if you buy into that. I don't think the Phillies would beat the Braves or the Mets.
But in three days, anything can happen. We just saw it with these two teams. You think because it's October, it like changes that way? No, but you know what changes? None of this travel, how you got there nonsense matters at all. That's why teams that have layoffs in the postseason, they, they, they just swept into the greatest team that's ever lived. And all of a sudden, it's like, holy crap. One of the great things, and people who cover this sport who are watching or listening to this can attest to this, all right? If you get put on a series, this happened to me in my career so many times, you get put on a series, right? And let's say an LCS, and then you go to cover the World Series, and you go and you know meet up with people who are in the media, who work with you, who have now covered the other team. So let's say you're covering the AL team, they're covering the NL team. Everybody who's watching this right now, please tweet me. Like people in the business know this feeling. You are now sitting at like dinner at a bar, like after media day before the series starts, and you are telling the other people why. No, no, no. You don't understand. The team I just watched is going to walk over this team you just watched, and they're like, "No, you have no idea." Like, have you been watching? And the answer is no. Like, you're covering a series, you're really not watching the other side. We learn from each other. I used to joke in the pregame show, and this is true, for years when I was doing this on Sirius XM, that first show was like where we would learn about what the other side had figured out. I mean, that's because you're so locked in every pitch, and you're covering it, and you're doing all this stuff. You didn't watch any other series. Why do I bring that up? I remember a situation where, and there were so many of these. There was the year the Tigers played the Yankees years ago. They, they, it was the A-Rod, you know, getting, like, hitting eighth, and, and that was the biggest scrum for a guy not, you know, in a lineup the day that they, they sat him against Verlander, right? All of that, right? With Joe. The Yankees never led in that series once. The Tigers just wiped them off, and it was like, oh, my God. Like, whoever's next has no chance. And then the Tigers lost that series. Yeah, it's just how it go. I mean, right? The layoff sometimes after, and we're going to see how this plays out in the postseason this year, but the layoff sometimes, right? The team goes in sweeps, and it's like dominant. That momentum, you know, go back to, where is that? In uh, Little Giants, where he says, uh, Mr. Momentum has changed his address. It changes address in this sport all the damn time. You got to try and live in the chapters, not the pages. Right now, if you're a Met or a Braves fan, I got news for you, and I think it's the 30th. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not going to sit here. I, I'm technically like inept. So I'm doing this live right now on social media. And if I hit anything to go check the schedule, we'll be gone. But it's the, what, the 15th right now? So for all intents and purposes, you got 14, 15 days. If you're a Met and a Braves fan, the next 14, 15 days probably are going to drive you nuts and not matter at all. There's a very good chance the next 14 days of your life are going to be insane, a nightmare, live and die, and they won't even matter. You should put yourself in a, cry a cryogenic cell for a chamber for two weeks and wake up because the Braves may hop over, be one and a half ahead, or the Mets may make it to two. It's not going to be more than three. Those three games will still decide this division, and you might as well just check out because, honestly, it's going to drive you nuts on both sides. Now, if you can handle it and look at it honestly, remind yourself that, then do it. But I'm just telling you, these two weeks aren't even going to matter. It's going to come down to that either way. I think we, I think both teams understand that at this point, probably. We should all understand that at this point. I want to flip to the American League, talk about the Guardians. I, I got the pleasure of, of covering Tito in Boston. And then years later, having him as, as a regular on my show when I was doing it over on, on XM for, I don't even know, eight seasons, I think. He's such a good dude. He is such a game changer, such a Hall of Fame manager. What he has done with this team, and credit to the players as well, but Chris Anthony, that whole group, what they have done with this team, they are so much fun to watch. 
they are there's definitely some little engine that could in them where it's like you know you're back patting them and you're you know you don't want to do that you kind of feel bad doing it that way because you don't want to you know shut out the idea that they could do damage in the postseason there's a little bit of that for sure but they play with such heart and such fight and have found so many different ways to win they've got they've got dynamic young talents on that team it's 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 been fun to watch six in a row now putting a gap again between them and the White Sox, going to end up taking the Central Division. They deserve it. The Twins, I mean, forget about, can't even get to them. The White Sox has been, you know, a mess. I mean, it's amazing. Like, out of nowhere, then they came back, one eight out of 10. Was it because of Cairo? Was it for Tony? Was it for each other? Who knows? But then it's going to go the other way, and and you don't, it just is what it is. But I, you got to give the, I want to touch on that, give the Guardians a ton of credit. I've mentioned the Jays a lot in the pod recently, for those who have not uh, seen or heard that and maybe jump on board to the episodes now, but are watching or hearing this live. Uh, Bobuchet, people getting on him when, at 24 years old, that was ridiculous. Like, you know, that they wanted, not that he was having a bad year, but him and Vladdy, and congrats to Vladdy Jr., uh, 100th homer. Teddy's going to give the ball to dad, which is cool. But Bobuchet has been amazing. This, di- this guy's carrying this team right now offensively, and they've got other guys who can do that for you. They've got Manoa and Gosman who could who can beat the best hitters and and get swings and misses in October. They got a dude in the back end who's getting it done in Romano. Jays are a dangerous team. I keep saying this, but you know I, I wait for picks until we get to the postseason. Let's we'll see what the matchups are. But if they can avoid the Astros until they get to the LCS, I think Toronto's going to go to the LCS. I just get that feeling from this team. It's one of those. That's the thing about the deadline. And I wanted to to kind of circle this in with the Padres a bit for a second. And the Mets and other teams. The deadline's very important, right? Prospects are cool. Parades are cooler. Get your merch. Yeah, okay. It is. But here's the funny thing. It, it doesn't matter what you do at the deadline. It's what the players do with it. It's what the players who come in and do with it. It's what the players who are still there do with it. Go to Toronto the year that Jose Bautista, long time ago, got ticked off. They didn't make any moves. There were two games, I think, behind the Orioles. They lose the division by 15 games. The next year, Alex is making Alex Anthopoulos deals for like 10 players, and they're in the postseason first time in 20 years, the Joey Bat flip, et cetera, right? You got Dallas Keuchel and the Astros. They're upset they're not making moves. 11th hour, 59th minute. That guy, that dude, Jeff Luno, making the deal. You bring in Verlander, rest is history. They were a first round out. Instead, they're a World Series champ. And there's other stuff there and seen. This year, get the New York Mets, who like, you know, I was surprised from a pitching standpoint, really, more than anything else, that they didn't, you know, Darren Ruff's been, you know, really good in the eighth inning. But, you know, in his performance there, but it's not necessarily what you thought was going to play out that way. Right. So Met fans, I want to say it's the deadline. Right. Yankee fans. I don't care what anyone says, because I was talking to them. Love the deadline. Oh, Cash went, got Ben attendee. And yeah, they lost out on, on Castillo. But there was a lot there that the Mariners had to give up. So they had to fall down and go to Frankie Montas. But they did that. They get Efros from Chicago. They're making moves. They're getting better. And, and people were right to say he had a good deadline. But then all of a sudden, when Montas until recently didn't have a good start, and Ben Attendee didn't get off to a good start. Now he's hurt. It, it's Brian Cashman's fault. It's 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 because of the deadline, right? Which is not true. Not true for the Mets either. The deadline didn't. You know, I love Pete. Have him get in a slump. The deadline didn't hurt Marte and knock him out with a with a finger injury, did it? The deadline didn't didn't get Scherzer fatigue in the oblique or the left side or whatever. Whatever Max says, I'm cool with. No, 
But we only like refer to these things when they work. It's like a great coach speech. When it works, it's like, remember what they said? Like, remember what happened when Hunter Pence did this, when Jason Hayward said that, when this and that, and Herb Brooks and what? We all, yeah, remember that. You know how many of those speeches happen and nothing happens? The team goes two and nine. You never hear about it. And maybe they're even better speeches. It's only about what happens when it works. So we go back to last year with Alex Anthopoulos. Again, this time in Atlanta and Solaire and Peterson and yada, 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 right? So so clearly the Padres were going to win everything. Yeah, Tatis. That's why like people are talking about like Tatis. It's like, don't they realize they needed him? You know, Mr. Ringworm? And it hasn't gone that way. I mean, Hayter took forever until he finally got a one, two, three inning and a save in San Diego. It just happened a few days ago. It, it hasn't happened with Soto and Bell. Soto hasn't been the same. This is a new thing for him. He's with a new team. He went through a situation where it got played out publicly. But, and he's a kid. He's a human being. He's still the same player. He's a human. These aren't, these aren't, it doesn't work that way. It's all about the humans. I, and luck, by the way. Yeah, Branch Ricky once said, luck, the residue of design. But you could design all you want. Sometimes you still don't get any. Trust me, I know. Right? It happens. But it, the Padres, this is like, you, you can have the, the perception of doing the right thing. They did the right things. It just, it hasn't panned out yet. Maybe it will. By the way, you know, as long as they hold up the Brewers, or what, two out now, they're going to go to the postseason. Brewers, by the way, Yankees, interesting series, which I believe starts tomorrow, right? But, you know, the playoff races are, are phenomenal. I, I wanted to say this about Seattle, a team that gets forgotten. I've kind of neglected. I've already neglected them for 25 minutes here. It, it's amazing watching them play. I'm not back patting them. I mean, they could pitch the heck out of it. You know, th their bullpen you know, has found a way with names that people didn't think, you know, from other places. And they got great stories there. What J-Rod, what Julio Rodriguez is doing, third rookie now ever in the 25-25 category, 25th steal yesterday. This guy's a stud. Forget about, you know, we don't have any question about rookie of the year. But we're talking about as they now wait to host an all-star game next year. You know, one of the faces of our game. It's amazing to watch him play. He's He's got big-time feel. Uh, you saw that in the, in the home run derby, right, for a lot of people who hadn't seen him before maybe much, especially some National League fans who, who maybe hadn't run into him in interleague play, schedule being what it still is, right, not playing everybody. But but what an unbelievable player he is. The, the energy that he brings that team um, I don't know that their offense as a whole can hit the great pitching the way you need to in a postseason, make the contact against it that you need to in a postseason, extend at bats to get into bullpens the way you need to in a postseason. But you got to give the Mariners a lot of credit. And what that franchise has done and the story this will be to get to the playoffs, they deserve every minute of it. Speaking of which, um, I, I wanted to also give love, speaking of deserving, to Roger Federer, who I saw just before I came on here, announced his uh, retirement. Uh, twenty-time Grand Slam. I mean, you know, we we are always in the the history of of the moment of now, right? Kind of where we fit in this moment. So, you, you know, you watch the great tennis we just had in the Open, not some about Serena, but on the men's side with 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 you know, really a couple of guys that you just know are going to be around for a long, long time. And then you jump on that train. And I remember when Sampras first came up, and you know, after it was, you know, I, I she's the. I grew up with you know, Connors McEnroe, and then all of a sudden it was you know, Borg and uh, excuse me, a uh, Becker and you know Von Lendl, and then you had you know Agassi and and all of those names, right? And and it's always that the torch passing thing. 
But we can't forget about Roger Federer, who's just a dude, and by the way, a class act too. So congrats to him. Uh, I want to end uh, this session of class with uh, getting angry a little bit and, and being a little bit selfish. So I'm watching Donovan Mitchell, who I, I love Donovan Mitchell, right? Met guy, New Yorker. I'm watching him in the press conference yesterday talk about that he thought he was coming home. And I'm sitting there thinking as a Nick fan and covering the game of basketball for years now, I don't think people get it. There are times where you have to be desperate and it calls for, you know, desperate times, desperate measures, right? Where logically you could look at something and say, okay, this doesn't make sense normally in a vacuum, but here maybe we have to do this, try this, pay a guy an extra year of a contract, right? Make a trade that we didn't, you know, wouldn't normally make, you know, make a call in a game like Brian Dable that we normally were trying to change culture, right? That we normally wouldn't do. Maybe I wouldn't go for two here. If we're sitting there six and four, 10 games into a season, the culture's already changed, whatever, right? Maybe Nathaniel Hackett will get a watch, learn how to tell time, you know, just examples. But here's Mitchell, and all I could think to myself is how much the Knicks don't get it. I've talked to a lot of people who cover the game who have talked to me, and, and I understand it, right, about they would not be as good as the Cavaliers are going to be now. They wouldn't immediately with them. Nope. That how much they would give up. You know, where would they go from there? Does the team fit? They still be missing pieces. All those things are fair. But you know what people don't understand is right now, and I, I use this example. When I was, I was on the air, I don't even remember what year this was. It was before 2009, I think, right? The, the offseason that the Yankees got Mark Teixeira, all right? I remember being on the air. I was on the air with Kevin Kennedy during those days of that whole process. And I remember every Oriole fan telling me he's coming home. Yeah, we know he wants to come home. It's like the Johnny Goudreau thing. At least he didn't go to Ohio. Nothing wrong with that. But in a hockey sense, I don't get it. But he would come at home, right? You're going to go to Maryland. That's where he's from. He wants to be there. That's what everybody, like, you know, these things that like, we just kind of, like, decide. Orioles offered him a lot of money. But then he got offered a lot of money from the Yankees and did what everybody said. I've always wanted to be a Yankee my whole life. Please give me a razor so I could shave, yada, yada, yada. My whole family are Yankee fans except me. Named after Casey Stengel, not because of what he did with the Mets. And I've heard enough of that, too. Right? But here's why I bring up the Knicks in this. I remember saying at the time, what people didn't understand was that I don't care how much you want to go to a team or what the situation is, right? At even money, you can't play with the Yankees for everything else that they bring you. Money off the field, chance to win every year perennially. I'm a Yankee, all of those things. And, and that has, that luster has... Dust it a little bit, but it, it still is a it's still a real thing for a lot of players in baseball. Depends on what the sport is, right? I mean, I hate to say it, but a lot of people maybe would feel that way about the Dallas Cowboys. Not enough quarterbacks who are available, but you know what I'm saying. I say that because the Knicks are supposed to be the team you don't want to get into it with because they got MSG, which is the building that everyone wants to play. You know, you ask players on the road where they want to go, they would tell you Chicago, and I've asked. You ask them what building they want to play in on the road, they would tell you MSG. But nobody wants to be there at home anymore. The Knicks are the Orioles in this situation. At even money, no one going there. 
did a podcast with Rudy Gay a few weeks ago who and talking to him because he could have been in a Mitchell trade, perhaps like, hey, what about going to New York? He didn't want to go. No one wants to go. Jim Dolan, what the egg that's been on the face of that franchise for so long. It's not because they don't want to play in the garden. It's not because of Manhattan. I don't want to hear about traffic or about any of that. But the Knicks and the Orioles. When you get a guy who could put you in the playoffs in the garden every year, which Mitchell would have, maybe the Cavs are going to be a three seed or a two or a four, wherever you fit, and the Knicks maybe were, you know, four, five, six in that area. They would have been it. And then you work in the offseason to kind of, okay, now how do we massage the roster around what, you know, what we think this core is going to be with, with Barrett and Donovan Mitchell, let's say, right? I don't know if it's Danny Ainge was really never going to trade him there. Maybe that's a thing. It's probably partially a thing. But when a dude wants to play for you, is from that area, has star quality, and puts you in a spot where you're putting fannies in the seats in the playoffs at Madison Square Garden, you do it. Figure it out later. Nobody cares about picks if you're a Nick fan. You know what they care about? They've been picking their nose, and I know for years, sitting there waiting for the team to be relevant. Then the one year they looked like, oh, and then Trey Young said this, and then they were gone. That's what people care about. They want to see playoff basketball. They missed the boat, big time. And Donovan, by the way, you went to about carrying yourself well and charisma and all that. Dude's a stud, and I wish him the best uh, either way because, you know, LFGM. You could jump on board if you're catching us live and you have not been uh, through uh, with the podcast. Uh, a lot of great uh, guests along the way, all kinds of different topics. I've done a Life Pod series, have six parts of that, which uh, I just did another one on yesterday, which hope you enjoy trying to kind of really bring – that unfiltered revolution, which to me is about more than sports. We're in a world of people being fake, everybody afraid to say how they feel and who they are. And I really, you know, I'm going to be PG because it's live. But I really don't give a crap. And neither should you. Jump on board the revolution. Episode 68 in the book. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.